All right, you're listening to the Sex 101 podcast. On this episode, we're taking listener questions. We're going to talk about uh, never having received a blowjob before. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the spooning position and how penis size might affect that, might not. Weight might affect that, might not. Uh, we're going to talk about where the name missionary position came from. And uh, Stump Stormy question too and a lot more. So let's do it. All right, the Sex 101 podcast is back. And uh, this is one of my favorite parts of my week when we get to do this podcast. Because I, I just love how genuine you are and how much you want to really help people stormy i mean like i i have been up and down with my care for people like having been in a band for so long and met so many people i'm like i don't know but you genuinely uh just want to help people and especially around sex which is such a difficult topic to talk about like where does where Aww. does that actually where does that helping nature come from because you genuinely <laughs> care i'm laughing because i'm hearing my father say that like do you literally want to save the world? I was like, well, not, you know, yes, ideally, but I think I was always that way. Um, thank you for that sweet reflection. Um, and then I think I just got so passionate about helping in the realm of sex and sexuality because it's like, and I've said this before, but it's the one topic that we as a culture are hyper repressed and hyper obsessed about at the same time. Yep. And so it's so confusing. And so that was my own personal navigation in a marriage that was at least really struggled with sex. It was certainly one of the reasons we ended up separating and, and getting divorced. And so kind of my own journey led to like this voracious desire to help people in this. And then I'm just a total book nerd. So I read everything, studied, studied everything, took every certification I could to be able to be, be better equipped to help people in this area. Because, you know, they say it happens like sex happens behind closed doors, but it happens behind like emotionally closed doors too. And under yeah. so much, you know, shame and repression, and so it's like, I always joke, I said, if I could like have one moniker of death, I'd be like, I'd be a pleasure pusher um, <laughs> because I just really want people to have more pleasure in their lives. And that isn't just sexual pleasure. That's all kinds of pleasure. So I love, I love this. I mean, I just, none of this is work to me. It's like such a pleasure, such an honor. Yeah. It, it's, it's been very fun for me and enlightening. And I love our topics. I love all the listener questions. You can send those questions in right now as you're listening to this podcast. Um, and we'll be hitting some of those in a few minutes. But uh, one of the things I love about this podcast, I could keep saying love. One of the things I'm just enjoying so much about this podcast is, are our topics. And today uh, we were going to do a topic because uh, I was wondering where the name missionary position came from. Because I grew up, in, I grew up uh, in Christianity, deep South Christianity, and you didn't talk about sex. So I was like, well, are missionaries just talking about it all the time? And it just got popular. Where did it come from? And, uh, and there's a few stories, uh, uh, out there about it, but it basically does. And I, I don't know. Do you, have, do you know anything about this? You want me to just, uh, you know, I went to our old friend Wikipedia and found a lot of information, but uh, you dive right in. I'll chime in, but it is, yeah. uh, it is certainly a topic to talk about missionary position. Yeah. Which is, I do now at this point in my life think it's an underrated position. Like, for, totally for having underrated. Sex, I agree. It just, a lot of people are like, it's vanilla, it's boring, but it actually, uh, the more and more I've read about it, experienced it, uh, you really get way better uh, motion against the clitoris, the vagina. You can do, you can move up, you can move down. There's lots you can do with it. It's not vanilla. And, uh, but I will say this too. I, are, I don't know the answer to this. Are humans the only animals, species that does missionary position? I think so, right? Like when I was thinking about 
all those National Geographic I shows I watched on Sunday afternoons. My parents said, turn away, turn all away. Style. Yeah, yeah, it was all <laughs> yeah. talkie style every single time. So I'm thinking maybe only humans. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not know, sure. I don't that. know. I mean, it's certainly one of the things when, when, when we learn about or teach about missionary positions, one of the, like you mentioned, it's one of the, the, the pros of missionary position is the intimacy that is allowed for being face to face with your partner and also so much skin to skin contact in missionary yes. position versus some other position. So, you know, I, it is certainly, uh, the intimacy is one of the pros of it, but I don't know. Now I'm like thinking through, I'm like dolphins. I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah, know. No. I don't know <laughs> animals or mammals have sex in missionary position. Yeah, I just never, I, yeah. I should ask my son who knows all things about all animals. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should have looked the answer up. Maybe I can find it out before the end of the podcast, but all right. So the etymology of missionary position is commonly believed that the term missionary position arose in connection with English-speaking Christian missionaries who supposedly encouraged the sexual position in new converts in the colonial area era. Uh, however, the term probably originated from Alfred Kinsey's sexual behavior in the human male uh, through a confluence of misunderstandings and mis- uh, misinterpretations in historical documents. Um, so let's see, before the release of Kinsey's work, the missionary position was known by several different names, including the matrimonial, the mama papa position, the English American position, the male superior position, the oh, French, yeah, yeah, yeah. the French called it the, uh, <laughs> classical position. The Tuscans referred to it as the angelic, uh, position and the Arabic speaking groups call it the manner of serpents. So that was, that was kind of wild, a bunch of different wow, names. Wow, all over this, the map there. I on know. The, the names. Man, I, I think I like some of those names better than missionary. But uh, in, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in, in 1948, Kinsey published the male volume of the Kinsey Report, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, and he described the American preference for the position and called it the English-American position. Discussing uh, Malinowski's uh, sexual life of savages in the northwestern uh, Melanesia, I'm, I'm butchering that. Sorry. Kinsey wrote, it will be recalled that uh, Malinowski records the nearly universal use of the totally different position among the, gosh, these names are so hard, Trobrianders, uh, the characters of English-American position and performed around campfires uh, to the great amusement of the natives. So basically, he was writing that the natives were making fun of the missionary position and the Christians in the missionary, uh, the Christian missionaries thought, there was something sinful about not doing it missionary. Like you were supposed to man on top, look at each other, get it done. And that's it. And anything outside <laughs> of that was a sin. So thus it came, yep. it came to be known as that more and more that missionaries were like, Nope, don't, you can't do it any other way, but this. any other way. Yeah. But and that's, I think one of the bomb raps that it still gets is it's like, Oh, like you said, it's the vanilla position or it's the lazy position or it's the default position. Yep. But it's it's funny you mentioned Kinsey because I was actually looking up a study from him. Um, one of the one of the Kinsey studies, um, they report that ninety percent of married couples have had sex in missionary position. This is in the United States, and but nine percent exclusively have sex in missionary. And I think that's what lends to the vanilla, right? It's yeah. like this default position. Um, but it doesn't have to be like what you mentioned, right? Like that I mentioned the intimacy as one of the pros of it. And you also mentioned there, Toby, it gives great stimulation to the clitoris and also to the G spot. They in the in, on the uh, anterior vaginal wall, it's great for stimulation for that. And you can change. There's a lot of versatility in missionary. It kind of gets missionary all lumped in, but there's like, like I'll let's call it missionary plus. Right? Yeah. Like there's like all these little ways to <laughs> spice it up. 
that are beautiful and that get really uh, can really get overlooked. So yeah, I, I, I it, it's interesting. I think people want to experiment more and get out of that because maybe in the beginning you just think this is the way, and so then you don't want to try it anymore. But it really does give a lot. Even like especially like at Marriage Supply with sex toys, I and and talking with men and women when you're in the missionary position, that sex toy, that cock ring you're wearing, if it's, if it's vibrating, your pressure from your pelvic bone can give just enough pressure so that vibrator is actually hitting the clitoris or moving in a good way. You know, you can do a lot with this position. So, And you can really touch each other and see each other. And, you know, and so, I, yeah, uh, maybe you and I are bringing it back to popularity. It's going to be, maybe <laughs> that's what it's going to be. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and I think it like, I think people get very, well, this is just how we have sex. And my legs are just down flat on the bed, but there's like leg squat. There's even like put your legs up over your partner's shoulders. I mean, there's yeah. a little bit more, there's a, that's a little bit more acrobatic, a little yeah. bit more flexibility called for there. But something simple like putting a pillow under your butt, um, lifting your hips up a little bit changes the missionary position, changes the angle um, so much. Your partner moving up over you more. So, like you mentioned, they're getting get more against your pubic bone. These are just like four variations that I, you know, off the top of my head that are all really easy variations, but that really sort of up the ante on uh, <laughs> the missionary position pleasure. So, yeah. So, the, yeah. So, that's why it is called the missionary position. Now, uh, we're also going to talk about some myths of the uh, men and women's favorite sex position. Which, <laughs> yeah. I, so I would love for you, like listeners, are, are, all you out there listening, take a guess before we before we give yeah. you the answer. But you know, at least when I was looking into this, and it really depends on who you're reading. And like I said, I'm a total research nerd, so I like to try to like compile um, the research. And I do go to Kinsey studies a lot, actually. Uh, the Kinsey Institute for Human Sexuality is amazing. Um, but I had thought these were going to be very different. The rankings were good. So that was the myth, right? That, that men's sex, favorite sexual positions and women's favorite sexual positions. And we're talking in hetero couples here would be very different, but they're actually surprisingly very similar, just ordered differently as in favorite one, two, three. Hmm. So take a guess. What, what do you guess? So what do you guess a guy's favorite position is? I was going to say, uh, I guess I, I think part of me wants to say doggy style. The other part wants to say woman on top. So I'm going to go with woman on top. Oh, you're so, you've got a both. So according, this is according to a study of 800 men that was done in 2015. Uh, doggy style is number one. Cowgirl, woman on top variation is number two. And missionary is number three. <laughs> <laughs> Guys just threw that in. They're like, I got to get to three. What's another one? Yeah, I got that. I'm, I, guys are totally satisfied with the first two. They're like, oh, yeah, three. We got to come up with three. All right. I'm out of positions. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, yeah. throw missionary in there. But I thought that was so funny because here we are talking about missionary. And I'm like, no way. I made the top three list. So then for women, so this is 2000. Uh, this study was 2,827 women. This was actually a millennial study. So the number one position for these women in the survey where it was number one was missionary. Number one is missionary. Wow. Yeah. Number two was doggy. And number three was cowgirl. Interesting. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was fascinating that I think we have this thing and I see it a lot uh, with the couples I work with that where they'll assume the men and women were, that were worlds apart, you know, in sexuality. And we're actually much closer together than we often think. So just from a research perspective, I thought that was super interesting. That's funny. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, and then. Those three are probably the, is everything else based off those? Like, are those the key three 
uh, positions and then there's variations of that. I'm trying to, I mean, <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, yeah. Like the Is three it, cardinal positions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, there is literally like, well, if you look at things like the Kama Sutra and I teach a lot of sacred sexuality. So there are, you know, hundreds of sexual position variants. Um, and one of our listeners questions that we're going to answer in a minute talks about what kind of positions are, are great as you age or as you have back pain or as you yeah. gain weight. Um, you know, these things that really are, are great questions. And, and again, I'm so impressed and totally heartfelt, like just in gratitude for our listeners for sending in such amazingly vulnerable beautiful questions. So please keep sending them in. So if you're inspired by something during this podcast, please, you know, that sparks a question for you. There is no question that is off limits. Um, we absolutely love this. And, and, and that is partly what our mission is probably to open the door for really positive sex education, really positive conversations about sex. So. Yep. And you can uh, send your questions to I, to- Toby at marriage supply.com or stormy at love deep labs. Com? Yeah, right. at lovedeeplab.com. Yeah, send them in and we will answer them every week anonymously. So it's yeah. super fun. So, and I think, you know, maybe you have a question that's like a burning question that you're like, I never got to ask that or I didn't have sex ed at all growing up or, you know, we never talked about my family um, and did not let porn be your sex ed teacher. Let us be your yep. teacher. So yep. that's what I would say about that. <laughs> you're right. I mean, we're going to give you a lot more information than, than what you probably heard before in life. So this is a, this is a good opportunity here. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's get to the questions then. Um, cause these are great and I don't have any funny names cause these are folks. Some of these folks, I'm sure I, I know a lot of people that have listened to my podcast or band send them in. So, uh, we, once again, we really do appreciate your open honesty. We're going to keep your name completely, uh, anonymous and, uh, safe. And so, and then Stormy's going to give you some great answers. Um, all right, let's get to the first one. My partner and I have always loved the spooning sex position. Another sex position we didn't talk about. Um, but <laughs> but over the years, and especially during COVID, her beautiful butt has gotten a little bigger. Definitely doesn't bother me. And my belly and fupa, fatty upper penis area, um, have pretty much, he said, but my belly and fupa uh, have pretty much rendered my already small penis useless in this position. I've secretly considered some sort of penis extender just so we could enjoy our favorite old position, but I have been reluctant to mention it. Also, I'm apprehensive because I was once cut by a vibrating pen- penis ring. He said TMI and he's laughing, you know, laughing emoji, um, but he was cut. So he's a little bit uh, nervous about y- using toys again. What is your advice for couples who face physical challenges like this in their sex life? Yeah, well, I think the spooning sex position is a great one. Um, it's a, you know, it's one that I teach a lot, or we work on um, in the couples that I that I work with. Uh, again, for access, right? A lot of G spot access with with the spooning sex position. It's funny. It's uh, there's an ease to it, and it gets kind of a bum rap of being like the lazy. I don't want to get on top in the morning sort of position. Yeah, and I don't agree with that. I think it's a really sweet position. It has a lot of like cuddling aspect to it. Um, so I like to say it has a lot of ease to it, right? It's easy on both partners' bodies as far as physical exertion, um, which means you can make love for longer, or you know. So that it's, it's, I think it's a really beautiful position. So to the listener who who wrote this question, thank you for sending that in, and thank you for for asking um, and being so brave and vulnerable. So as far as you know, as we, it's a great question. As the there's really two parts to it. So the spooning sex position you mentioned having maybe being uh, having a smaller penis. Well, and again, I also want to reiterate at an earlier podcast, we talked about according to the research, most women care very little to not at all about the size of their partner's penis. 
it has so many things that matter more to women. So, but I hear you for you, the listener who wrote this, that this is something that's coming in. It can, it can be hard with a smaller penis to feel like you're staying inside in the spooning sex position. So, you know, things like get a little leverage, right? So like the little spoon, we're going to call it, right? The spoon in front, um, it, it, it can be against like a wall or an edge or a headboard can press back on you. Yeah. Um, that helps you to stay inside. Okay. So getting a little leverage from the little spoon, um, using toys, right? The night, the, one of the beautiful things about spooning position is both of you have your hands totally free. So you can use toys, right? You can use clitoral stimulation. Um, so that's another thing that I, that's kind of a helpful tidbit, um, little tip for that. And also one of the reasons I really like this position, um, but you can play, you can also, it's a right, also a great position to begin to play with anal, whether you're going to have penetrative anal sex or just even play around there, right? It's a really great position for that. Uh, you can use things like strap-ons, you they you can spoon doggy style. This is a way to work with if you are smaller, have a smaller penis with, with spooning. So you basically, well, there's two ways to get into it. You can actually just think about is if you were in doggy style, the this little spoon is in doggy style. So knees and 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 hands like as if they were in quadruped but the more fun way to get into it is to actually start having sex doggy style and then literally just fall over on your sides together and that's swooning <laughs> that's swooning doggy style okay but with the partner in the front legs up with a smaller penis you're able to stay inside more on that one so that's another little twist on that um things like the little spoon can lift their leg the little spoon can be on top um so you can really play with it so don't give up on spooning and then having sex in the spooning position just get playful with it do some um, adaptations to it and then the second part of your question really is about physical challenges um right so you mentioned having a smaller penis or like this is you know you can also as we age we can have things like back pain or you mentioned weight gain in your in your message but you know, really, as we age, you know, my my mission is to be, is that people are having fabulous sex right up until their last breath. <laughs> so we have to adapt for our aging bodies and wear and tear on our bodies and things like injuries and illnesses. So you know, if you are smaller endowed um, and your penis is smaller, things like positions like doggy style, um, cowgirl with you know woman on top positions, um, a pillow under your hips and missionary for the for the for the woman on bottom. These are all ways that can help um, facilitate great pleasure with even uh, with a smaller penis. Um, things like back pain. I mean, doggy style is a great position for back pain. Again, you got to know what kind of back pain you're having. Are you having low back pain, upper back pain? Who's having back pain? Are you both having back pain? Right. So you heard me say, Toby, a million times talking about it, being able to say, don't be in pain because pain is a pleasure buster. Change your position, talk to your partner about it, make adaptations, make modifications. There's tons of research out there on how to modify sex for things like back pain, things like weight gain. I mean, missionary doggy style standing position with one partner standing, one partner, let's say over the bed. That's a great position for for um, weight gain um, if you're feeling like the weight is an interference. So just getting creative with it, I guess, is a long winded way, um, a stormy winded way of saying uh, changing positions and, and also always, always, always having conversations about it. Don't have sex in pain. It, it will you will not have as great of sex unless unless that's what you're going for. <laughs> unless That's your kink in the moment. But, you know, otherwise, really changing it up and making adaptations and modifications along the way. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I wanted to a- ask a question, too, there. I think one of the things that happens is. Uh, at least like from my perspective or guys perspectives that I've talked to, you feel like you should be in charge of their pleasure completely. But mm-hmm. each of us oftentimes knows what feels good to us. 
you know, whether, you know, from masturbating or experiencing sex in the bed, you know, oh, this feels really good. So, uh, going off what you were just saying too, maybe if you're in the spooning position, you, you shouldn't you communicate with your partner? Oh, what if you do touch yourself or we did use a toy? Like what if we together work on your pleasure? So, you know, cause it can be a little intimidating for a guy to go, uh Oh, it's all about my penis and I don't even feel that good about it already. And now I got to mm-hmm. try to bring you to orgasm with this penis. And wait a minute, how, you know, how, how can you go about, Hey, we're in the spooning position. How can you talk to your partner about touching themselves or also using, yeah. you know, Beautiful. No, it's a great position. I mean, great, great question. Like, so a lot of couple, couple things there is communication, right? So being able to say, you know, but I love what you mentioned earlier that like, you're not responsible for your partner's pleasure. I have a very controversial <laughs> stance on that as a sex educator is that you are fully and wholly and beautifully and magically responsible for your own pleasure and your own orgasm. And so is your partner. That's part of the beauty of being in sovereignty and partnership. And if you're having sex together, you're choosing to have consensual sex together. You are relinquishing parts of your pleasure to your partner to bring you to pleasure, to offer you pleasure, to find pleasure. And they're doing the same for you. And so you're in this reciprocity, but not in this relinquishing, like, you know, and I get, I hear that from my clients and, you know, and also have struggled with it myself in past relationships where it's like, well, he didn't do this. So I never do this, or he doesn't do this. And I, so I never orgasm. And that's really a, an externalizing of your pleasure. So I really like, I really, and I say this with so much love and encouragement, but you, you are the master of your own pleasure. And so you should be having fabulous, should, I don't like should, I hope you're having fabulous sex with yourself, even if you don't have a partner and you're not having partnered sex right now. And just that shift alone, moving from masturbation to making love to yourself is, is life-changing. Yeah, you're right. And, and just have fun. Like, uh, what was the stat we read on the last episode or those like, uh, penetration, like a very large percentage of women don't orgasm from that anyway. Yeah. Like 80% right? according to yeah. research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean that pen- penetrative sex, there needs to be something going on in, in addition to that anyway, or else the, the woman might not be able to achieve orgasm at all regardless. Right. And if you look at the difference of arousal of women's anatomy of arousal and men's anatomy of, of arousal. There's a difference in the amount of foreplay needed too to bring right to to orgasm um, to climax, and so like in the spooning sex position, the, the listener's question, you know, your hands uh, if you're if you're in the if you're the big spoon if you're in back um, are free to touch the whole front yeah. of her body. So there's a lot more room for foreplay there for all parts, not just the clitoris, right, but the breasts and the chest right. and her face and her hair, her back, you know. Besides, you know, there's so many erogenous zones. And this is one of the things I love teaching in Tantra and sacred sexuality is that we go right for like the key erogenous zones without realizing that there are so many others. Right. Yeah. So it's a really great position to extend your foreplay with. Yeah, that is that is so good. You're right. Like it, uh, even, even in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, you can still hit the clitoris. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're right. You have two <laughs> hands here that can move anywhere and make your partner feel really good. You can be, you know, you can do whatever you want. There's four hands actually. So you can be doing all kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of this position is nobody's hands are, no one has weight on their hands to take their hands out of the equation, so to speak. Yeah. So once again, it, it really does just talk about it. Tell them how you feel. Like Mm -hmm. I I thought this is really well written. Like they've gained a little bit of weight, but that doesn't bother them, but they just want to 
he wants to pleasure her and I'm sure she wants to pleasure him. And so, and then I definitely, I will say just because, you know, do own a whole uh, sex toy store, make sure you do, uh, don't, don't be too scared off. He said that he actually got cut by a vibrating penis ring, which man, I don't understand that. That, that really stinks. But, uh, I would definitely try again. Maybe it's not a penis ring. Maybe try a different toy, but have something there that can, you know, assist you and make you feel a little bit like you're, you know, uh, it, getting a little bit more out of, of everything that you guys are doing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Toys are such a beautiful, I know we, we, we talked about this in another episode, but toys, if you think of toys as team players, right? So they're not a replacement for you, not a replacement for your penis. You know, they're a team player. They're, they're, they're literally is a huge difference in the anatomy of arousal between men and women and so toys can be a really beautiful way to kind of bridge that gap so to speak yeah totally all right next question i'm nearly a 40 year old man and i've personally never experienced oral sex here's the rundown i grew up in a small southern bible belt town where sex was only ever discussed in the context that it was reserved for marriage heard that before that's a I'm resonating with the story a lot and that you should never do it raised in the church very similar to Toby's background <laughs> you're right you're right it's very similar um I married my high school sweetheart and we both waited to have sex until we were married which finally happened in our mid-20s uh, I know hard to believe but it's very much true and was quite frankly one of the hardest things I've ever endured my wife was raised very similarly to me where sex was never discussed and if it were her mother made it out to be a painful unpleasant act foreplay existed to get us by until we were married but to this day my wife has yet to go down on me I enjoy going down on her, but even that doesn't happen often because she finds it somewhat icky or gross, but doesn't mind once I start. I mean, who would? Uh, we openly talk about it, but she just simply refuses, can't get past it, which makes me feel as if I'm disgusting, unwanted, etc. Um, I'd like for it to happen, but I'm at a loss and fear it never will. Please send help. Yeah, such a tender, beautiful question. So a couple of things that come up for me, there is, um, there is, NBC News, uh, there's a study that they did that says four in 10 women never or rarely give oral sex, right? So give a blowjob. Four, so in, four ten? in 10 women. Four in 10. Yeah. Never or rarely give oral sex. This wow. is give, not receive. That was, that was, that was a different stat. So, yeah. and then Kinsey, again, Kinsey Institute report, uh, Kinsey keeps popping up in our podcast yeah, today, but 27% of men and 19% of women only 27% of men and only 19% of women have had oral sex in the last year. So I just wanted to share those stats because just to normalize our listeners question that this is, it doesn't, it doesn't negate the, the, the challenge of your question, but just to normalize that you're not alone um, in the struggle in, yeah. in partnerships. So, um, and I think that's, when a, we that's feel a lot alone, more than I thought. I'm kind of yeah, shocked isn't by those that numbers. Wild? And when we feel alone, we can feel like, Oh, this is uh, something with me. But when we start to know that, Really, these issues are so common. That's also one of the, our other missions, right, Toby, on this podcast is to like normalize all this stuff, right? Yeah. So just wanted to start off with normalizing that. Um, but then in your question, you mentioned for her that she will occasionally um, receive oral sex from you and likes it, but struggles with, likes it once you get going, who wouldn't, right, to use your words and then, and but struggles with it. Um, so body issues come up a lot for women particularly, uh, but also for men, but body issues, let's, let's be for women in receiving oral sex. Um, and so, you know, it can be worried about your body and the perspective, worried about 
the smell, the taste, the look of your vulva and vagina, because they all look different, right? The look of your clitoris, right? Um, how, how, what do your labia look like? Like there can be so much about it. And the men out there who are lucky enough to, you see one vagina, you see one vulva, right? Like it's really, it's really, every woman's anatomy can be very different. But we can really get into fear about that. And what does it look like? And is it okay? Does it smell okay? Does it taste okay? So a lot of reassurance from you when you do have the privilege, I would call it, of, of offering her oral sex. Uh, lots of reassurance on how she looks, how she smells, how she tastes, how you find her so beautiful in her private parts, right? Um, telling her about it, what turns you on, that telling her, sharing with her how much it turns you on. So verbally and non-verbally sharing with her how much it turns you on to offer oral sex. Uh, you mentioned you really enjoy it as well. So those can be things that can help her to settle into receptivity and receipt of pleasure. Because that's one of the other things that's really beautiful about oral sex, but also challenging. And I think partly why that statistic is so low is that you are really in giver or receiver mode when you're receiving or giving oral sex more so than penetrative sex, right? Where, where we're both receiving and giving in different ways, right? So Oral sex is really a beautiful opportunity to be in full receptivity, full receipt of pleasure or full offering of pleasure. And so if we can, but that can be very vulnerable and scary as shit for people <laughs> to yeah. be in full surrender to pleasure, right? And you're literally laying there. I mean, not hopefully not, but you might feel like you're laying there doing nothing. And I don't know. I can just say personally, when, when I was working through my own blocks in receiving oral sex, and this is a long time ago. Um, I would be like, oh, that's been long enough. They're probably bored down there. I should probably be doing something. So I don't know if your partner gets into like I did, which is like nauseatingly caretaking role that I tend to have. right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so just really reassuring her can be a beautiful way to help her be open to receiving more from you. Yeah, you're right. I was just going to add on to what you just said. It's really easy to get into your head there as well. Like, a, oh, no, they probably because you think about your own body. They're probably not enjoying it. I should let them off the hook. They're just trying to totally. get it over totally. with. And, and that's not that's probably never the case. But it, you can just get in your head that way. No, that's a great point. And then I think if you're the one giving. So if you are giving to your partner in this question, um, you know, really being giver mode, being like it is. It is sacred territory down there. It is a total honor and privilege to be in that kind of level of intimacy with someone. And if you approach it like that, she will feel it. So that's kind of just a little side tip. Um, but then as far as receiving oral sex for you and, you know, receiving a blowjob, uh, you know, I hear your kind of tenderness, like you really want to experience it. And I, I hear you. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I hope that that happens for you. Um, but I think, you know, with you said, she's just is a flat out no. So when someone's a flat out no, it really comes down to more about communication and communication styles than changing her to a yes. She may or may not change to a yes, but this is what I would recommend, which is asking her not in the moment, not when she's just said no, right? Or not when you're really wanting a blowjob. Right. <laughs> That's like, not the best time. <laughs> you know, at a different time, um, asking her what her fear is. And I would label it as fear. If it's a hard no, it's it's either, a, it could be a boundary, it could be fear, it could be both. But what is her fear? Maybe her fear is that she'll gag. She won't do it right. She doesn't know how, to, you have no idea, right? You're going to make a million assumptions. So instead of assuming, you're going to ask her what her fear is uh, about giving a blowjob. Um, ask her what, if she's aware of what her resistance is. Maybe she was literally told it's like, you know, the devil's task or who knows, whatever, you know, so you don't know. And we, we make so many assumptions, particularly between the sheets, and they're almost always wrong or totally wrong or partially wrong. So instead, you're going to ask. Um, and then, you know, another question I like is, 
it really matters what we make something mean. So this is more from like communication and relate and mindfulness relationship um, strategies. But what does she make it mean? A blowjob mean? Does it? She might make it mean like she's being degraded or she's in. You know, you're in total control. I mean, you have no idea. These are just possibilities. So instead, you're going to say, ask her. What does it she make that mean? What does a blowjob mean? What does she make that mean? So the meaning underneath the act, mm, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And then I think the last tip I would have is you said it makes you feel, you know, disgusting or unwanted. And I hear the tenderness in that so much, but it isn't personal. It feels personal, but it isn't, right? You have your partner and you're having sex. This is something she has going on, a resistance inside of her, and you are getting to come alongside of it and also to still honor your wants and desires to have a blowjob, right? So, and trying to find that middle ground. So the less you can personalize it, the better. And I know that that's not always easy to do. Yeah, I think, uh, okay, so you said uh, uh, some just such good things there. One of the things I want to touch on is, I you're exactly right. Uh, and this, this, just because I can relate so much to this Christian upbringing for both of them, mm-hmm. uh, I'm certain both of like they were saying, both of them are taught, stay away from your body. Your vagina is dangerous. It's going to get you in trouble. It's only meant right. to maybe even just have babies. It's not, you know, right. you, you, you're, I, I literally say you might not be deserving of pleasure. It could be sinful. It could be all of these totally. things. And so I think Stormy nailed on the head, ask why and be prepared because I've, I've experienced this. And I know that many uh, couples that I've talked with, have experienced this too. She might be defensive. Like if you say, Hey, why don't you want to give me a blowjob?" or, you know, say it better than that. Say, I'm really, I'm curious, be curious, be kind. Hey, I'm wondering what, like, just like Stormy said it way better than me, but what are the reasons you don't want to do a blowjob? She might come back with, I just don't want to. And then you're going to feel a little, uh, you know, still lost, uncomfortable. I think the way you can navigate that is to say, okay, I, uh, I don't know if I can totally receive that answer as uh, fulfilling enough. Could you think about it for a little while? Take, take time. We don't have to have all yeah, the answers right now, but I want to give you some time, but there probably, if, if you really thought about it, there might be some real reasons like, like stormy, it, it could be anything. She, she could be scared or nervous about having a penis in her mouth. That I mean, that mm-hmm. especially the first time when you guys now are almost forty. You know, I mean, that it, you, she, y'all made it this long. She's like, well, you know, she could feel uh, <laughs> she could be hurt that you know vaginal sex isn't enough for you on, on some level. Mm-hmm. There, like Stormy, you said it perfectly. There could be a million reasons that you're just guessing at until you ask. So ask with a lot of care and kindness, a lot of love. Say, I'm only wondering because I want to know you more. I want to understand your thought process in this. I, this is something that I would love to experience with you. I do think it will feel good. Right. I think it could be feel good for yeah. both of us. And, right. and so take your time and give, you know, don't, don't expect an answer immediately in that moment. That's Stormy, you great, always say that. That, well, that's a beautiful. Thank you so much for adding that. No, that's so true. Especially if it's a hard no for her, we tend to be very defensive about just a beautiful thing about our boundaries. Right. So that, that was such a well, so well said to say, you know, that, to give her time to say, I would really love it if you would think about this because I'm so curious what's, what's behind your no, right? Like, I'm so curious about why that's a hard no for you, you know, and and really leaving the fact that you want a blowjob off to the side for a hot minute, right? It's like, and really bringing curiosity that your partner who you love and know very well, you don't know this part of her, right? You don't know why she's in resistance to this. Uh, you know, and, and it's really common. I mean, I have, I can think of just in my friend group that I, so many women in my friend group who are like, I don't like giving a blowjob. I don't like it. 
you know, and I'm like, I can't, I love it. So I'm like, wait, what? Like, but, so everybody to each his own and like, but I, it's also a lot of it's based on your historicity, right? Your experiences with oral sex. And a lot of us have had a really traumatic ones, you know? Yeah, very much so. You're right. And it can be really hard, especially that once again, and, and I, I'll, I'll say this too. Uh, she might have literally been told, don't touch your vi- vagina. Don't do it. Don't go near it for her whole life until you get married. And then, you know, that then you can kind of go near it then, but still be careful. You know, I mean, so <laughs> she, she really might not understand her, her vagina as much as he does. Like in some way he might, he might be, have seen her vagina more experienced her vagina more in a way. Totally. I, I know she's living with it, but I'm saying sexually, he, you know, cause he's, he's curious. Of course he's attracted to his wife. He wants to give her pleasure. He wants to be, you know, the, the, to use their penis and vagina together. So it, it really does boil down to the, the, once again, asking those questions of, Hey, where are you at with this? And, and you can answer this without, and, and give her some space too, to that. You're not going to be offended or hurt or, or maybe the better words, angry at her answers. Like she might yeah. give you, let her give you a truthful answer. And then you can go from there. Once you actually hear her truth, then you can kind of experience that because honestly, I don't know what sexual trauma, purity culture stuff that, that, you know, she went through, but both of you seem like you grew up very conservative. And so sex was a no, no. And so now all of a sudden to turn that on and now I'm just going to be wild or freaky that just can't do it. You know, it's a slow process. Yep. That was so well said. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, let's move on to the uh, the last question here. Uh, my partner, she, her, and I, he, him have been in a long distance relationship for over a year now. And she has been out of the country, uh, for work. Before she moved, we had an on-again, off-again relationship and literally reconnected the day before she moved. I'm happy to say that we've been going strong ever since, making sure to talk, text, and video chat regularly so that we are involved in each other's lives. Our emotional relationship feels relatively stable, or perhaps as stable as it can be considering the circumstances. In terms of sex, we are each other's firsts and have very little experience with physical intimacy at that. When we were in the same country, I was happy to take things slow and go at her preferred pace. Over the last year, we've tried to keep the physical attraction strong using apps like Just Between Us, and it's become apparent that she may now be more adventurous sexually than I am. She's expressed certain things she would be interested in trying, is far more comfortable with talking about sex, and often fantasizes what it will be like once we are back together again. She's coming home in a few weeks, and uh, she's coming home for a few weeks in about a month. I'm so excited to see her and get to spend time with her in person again, but I'm also nervous that there may be fairly high expectations the first time we have sex again. I don't want to disappoint her and, of course, also want to enjoy it myself when the moment comes rather than feeling stressed. I kind of just want to keep it simple rather than getting too crazy since we're already so inexperienced in the first place. What advice do you have to make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible? This is a big question, Stormy. Mm-hmm. Make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible, both for when we get to see each other and for continuing to build our intimacy once she is away again. So, I, wow, that's, I hear like two big parts of that. One is like the reunion and one is like what to do in the like continuity of the long distance when, when you have to separate again. So I'll tackle those in two things. So the re well, first of all, I love your giggle there, Toby. So we say this so lovingly to the listener who wrote this in, but it is not going to go perfectly smoothly. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just, so right there we have, I mean, I expectations and desires get a bum rap. Like it it can be like, why do like, 
you know, our desires are the root of all suffering. And I mean, I get that from a mindfulness perspective, but we are human. We have expectations and we have desires, particularly of people we love and are having sex with. It's just how it goes. So, in, but what gets us into trouble is those unspoken expectations and desires. So again, not to belabor the importance of communication, but I'm going to is talking about your expectations and desires ahead of your reunion. Um, Right. So like you, you know, sharing with her that it's also giving you some anxiety. It's giving you some, you know, it, it, and we, when we bring breath to anxiety, it tends to just become excitement. Right. So for you breathing and getting grounded, not letting it spin into anxiety because anxiety is not going to make you a fabulous lover. Right. It's going to get you up in your head instead of in your body. But talking with her saying, you know, gosh, I'm feeling some anxiety. It's like partly exciting and partly starting to make me nervous because I'm afraid that I won't be able to meet your expectations. Like that is really vulnerable and really fucking sexy just to be that vulnerable, to say, to share that with her. Right. And it sounds like you guys have really good communication. So, um, and then asking her what are, what's her expectations and desires. Maybe she's like, I want to rip your clothes off and have sex the moment we met. You're like, "Ah!" or you're like, yes, super hot. Right. You get to have a response to her expectations and desires. She gets to share them with you. It, again, it's the unspoken expectations and desires that cause the ruckus um, in our relating, not not having them, right? And actually owning them is a really powerful way to be in your own your sexual power. Um, so, so that's sort of like the esoteric theoretical standpoint. And then let's talk about logistics. Like if you haven't masturbated in however long you've been apart, I would highly suggest you do <laughs> okay? beforehand. Get that right? done. Yeah. So... <laughs> The buildup of energy is very different than the buildup of sexual stamina, right? So, um, you know, I think it's, isn't it something about Mary, like that they joke, joke about yeah. that before you go out with like a hot girl right. or something. I don't know. I yeah, mean, that ends, up in movie, the ha- they- ends up in her hair is like, she yeah. thought it was jail. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is a thing, right? So don't neglect your own self-pleasure before seeing her, right? Having some degree of buildup, some days of buildup and that tension can be a really beautiful thing. But if you're, Otherwise, it will just be quick. And that's okay. Quick isn't bad. Quick can be, hello, quickies can be like the hottest thing ever. But just have to know it. So if you're not going to, and you're like, then own the fact that like, oh my gosh, I can't get enough of you. I, I, I'm so sorry that was three minutes long. Let's do it again in, in a few hours and it'll be 15 minutes long, right? So owning the fact that there's a huge buildup of expectations, of desire, of energy, of sexual energy for you guys having been apart and just really owning that. Um and then I think also like if if the if the sex is quicker than you want or you I hear you want to be a powerful lover an amazing lover and most men do I mean I really believe men do want to be amazing lovers then saying like oh my gosh it's been so long I that was so that was way quicker than I want to be let's keep practicing all weekend long you know like something yes. super sexy like that I can't get enough of you let's do it again as soon as my refractory period's over yeah. <laughs> you know like, so. yeah you're right honestly bring humor into it it doesn't have to be so serious like. Like it's, it's okay. Like it, y'all haven't seen each other in so long. And, and if you are just very serious and once again, kind of like the first question we took, if you're putting all her pleasure on your shoulders, it won't work. It can't be. It's both of you guys. You know, I mean, if you, if he thinks he's the one that's, that's going to provide the best sex she's ever had, she's going to be so turned on it. The chances of that are kind of low because it's just going to be hard. And she's wants to do all this, by the way, <laughs> you know, it's like, she's know, telling you, telling him how totally. excited she wants to. So don't, don't get in your head about how bad you're going to be, you know? Yes. And, beautifully said, man, and I, man, that's so great. I relate to this a lot. I mean, uh, my list, listeners of our podcast, um, it's all over. No, but I am now divorced and my ex was the only person I had penetrative v- vaginal sex with. 
And so I can understand getting in your head, wait a minute, oh, uh, what will the next person be like? Or we had not had sex or will I... Will I perform or will I not perform? Or, you know, yeah, is it going to last two seconds? Or And I, even with me, I have to go, wait a minute. I know who I, I, I'm learning more, but I know who I am, what I want. You want to give pleasure. You want to show love and, and tenderness and hot and heavy as well. And, you know, smooth and slow, hard and strong. You want, you want to try all these things. And she's actually opening herself up saying, I'm willing to try some things. So just communicate with her. Hey, this is where I'm at. I am a little nervous. I, I like you so much. I love you so much. I want to give you the best sex of your entire life. If it doesn't happen, just let's keep trying. And she will yeah, appreciate that, totally. right? Absolutely. Yep. So well said. And we can't, you know, I've said this before, but our brain is, they say, is our biggest sex organ. And I believe that that is true. I also believe it's our greatest barrier to fabulous sex. So if you're up in your head, just take some breaths, be present, be really deep in your sensation, be aware of hers. I mean, you guys are reunited. It's like super amazing. I'm so excited for you all. I would love for you to email us and tell us how it goes and how, yeah. how it went, how it goes. Um, and then to kind of answer the second part of your question, how ways to keep it going, you know, long distance is really can be really challenging. It has its own additional set of challenges in addition to the typical um non-long distance relational challenges. It doesn't mean it, it can't be successful. I've seen it be successful, um, but really, really, really high levels of communication. And I don't just mean about the easy things. I particularly mean about the hard things, right? So feelings of jealousy, feelings of loneliness, feelings of, you know, wow, I met this other person and she's here, he's here, like whatever that really open communication, not easy ones, right? Um, and then you are, you're already kind of doing that, but creating sexy time, right? How do you do, do you do some little sexting? Do you do video chat? Um, you know, that's a private video chat. Do you read erotica together? I mean, these are just some, but prioritizing the sexual and physical intimacy when you're, when you're not physically together is harder, but not impossible. Yeah. And there's really beautiful things like erotica, you know, or you could, you know, watch a female forward or ethical porn together, like both zooming, you know, both watching at the same time, but in separate places. I mean, there's lots of different creative ways. And you sounds like you're doing fabulously with that about, but you're making your intimacy a priority, even when you're not geographically ideal. Yeah. And, and one of the things you said that I wanted to add on to there, there as well is, are you only focused on that one moment? Like you should, if, if you want to bring pleasure, there's a lot you can do before that moment of having sex, right? Like, I mean, like you said, have you masturbated or not? Like, I mean, are, are you exercising? Are you, you know, doing kegels or, you know, what, you know, are you, mm -hmm. are you doing things that could improve sex? Then it's the, it's the same thing. Like you can't just go all of a sudden lift 225 pounds over your head right. or something like that. But <laughs> if you took long enough and worked up to it, that man, when you got to that 225 pounds, you'll lift it right up over your head. So that's, totally. you can, you can do that as well with sex. Like take your time, Figure out some things that you can do, uh, you know, before you get to that moment to help you with your anxiety or your nervousness or, you know, getting in your head about yourself. So don't just rely on at that moment. I have to perform because that gets real tough. If everything's <laughs> riding on that one moment and you haven't done anything, you're like, I, I mean, it's going it's to be tough. Like this is the moment of my yeah, whole life. Right. You know, like <laughs> exactly. It's going to be so mentally overwhelming. And, and then, of course, physically, it'll it'll play out because of the, the mental state you're in. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Great. Well, these well are, once said. again, these are these are great questions. Send in your questions. You can send them to Toby at marysupply.com or Stormy at lovedeeplab.com. Um, all right. I got a, a quick uh, stump Stormy here that I thought okay. this, was, this is kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, 
is breakup sex good or bad? Should you do oh. breakup sex? What do you think, Storm? You might, I, I feel like you might know some of this, but like going back, you've broken wait, up, you go back to your partner. You, before I answer, is there a right answer to this question? That's well, what I want to know. Well, I might, I might have an answer that is going, it was a little surprising to me, but um, yeah, well, I just hear what you want to so, say. So, okay. So breakup sex. So there's a thing, there's a thing called new relationship <laughs> energy, right? And, yeah. and it's when we are, right? It's literally yeah. what it says. New relationship energy. When you're with, new with someone, you, it's all, they're all you can think about, talk about, fantasize about, masturbate to. I mean, all of the things, right? There is absolutely new relationship energy. I have the privilege of working with long-term couples for a lot of my coaching clients. And it's about how do we get them back or how do we create something? And my answer is you can't get new relationship energy back, but you can stimulate that same kind of passion and desire. So the reason I bring up new relationship energy, I'm not deflecting your question, is breakup relationship energy has a similar <laughs> intensity to it, yeah. right? Um, it can feel really good to have sex with a partner that you love that you parted ways with. Um, right. There's, there's right. angry breakup sex and then there's really powerful breakup sex. Right. And, and, and I don't really, I don't work in the good or bad. That's just not how my world works, but, uh, all sorts of shades of gray, as you can imagine in, uh, <laughs> in the sexual realm. But, uh, so to me with, with my clients, when they're bringing, when we, we have, I have dealt with this with my clients who have recently parted from relationship, um, about an opportunity for breakup sex is I want you to play the tape all the way through. I want you to imagine not just for your orgasm, cause that's going to feel really fucking good. Okay. <laughs> not just for your orgasm, but after the aftercare, the laying there together, the conversation that will need to happen Cuddling and or, how or, you are yeah. going to feel afterwards. Yeah. And if that's a, yeah, I'm going to feel really fucking good afterwards then then go for it. Um, so long as it's consensual and everything like that, um, you know, so I don't have a hard line in that. I don't have a yes or a no. I would say many couples do do breakup sex. Um, I personally am at a point where I used to do breakup sex. Um, I have been single many times in my life. I do not. I'm a hard no on breakup sex because in my mind, there are way too many fish in the sea and I'm ready to move on to my next one when I, <laughs> once I'm, once I'm done. So <laughs> that's my personal. But when I'm working with my clients, I really See want ya. you to play. <laughs> I, I, I'm really, I'm really in and I'm really committed until I'm not right until right. until I'm done. But, um, so that's for me, right? So for me, it's a no. So, but really taking, if it's, if you think it's a yes, well, and first of all, okay, another little caveat, do not make this decision drunk or, you know, yeah. not in your right mind because right. you're literally not in your right mind. So you're not going to be able to play it all the way through. So maybe if you're in it early in a breakup, and you're thinking about it before the opportunity for breakup sex comes up because it likely will, it might, um, or do you know, play the, have played the tape all the way through? Yeah. All right. Well, this is a study, but according to the findings of a study in Springer's Journal Archives of Sexual Behavior, having sex with an ex doesn't seem to hinder moving on after the breakup. This is, uh, so maybe that's what I should have said. Maybe, maybe I asked, asked the question a little bit poorly. I should have said, is it harder to move on after having uh, breakup sex? But it says, it sounds like it, uh, so this is true even for those who continue to pine for their ex, says uh, lead author Stephanie Spillman of Wayne State University. For Spillman, studying the potential costs of sleeping with an ex is a broad interest because sexual experiences with ex-partners. Uh, together with their colleagues, Spillman devised two studies. In one study, the researcher analyzed the daily experiences of 113 participants who had recently experienced a breakup. Two months later, these uh, participants completed a further online survey 
The survey questions asked whether the participants participants had tried to have any physical contact with their former partners, how emotionally attached they were and how they felt after each day. In a second study, 372 were asked the same thing. The researchers found that pursuing sex with an ex did, ex did not seem to stand in the way of people's subsequent recovery from a breakup. So most of the participants who pursued sex did end up in bed with their ex, but this did not influence how some managed to get over the end of the relationship. So they were able to separate their emotions, I guess, from the sex, but that also doesn't tell you clearly how soon or how long after and what else. There's so many other factors, like you were saying, there's a lot. Right. That goes well, I think it. it's a lot of it's too. Who's the one who, you know, I, I don't like the, who ended it. Cause it takes two to tango. It takes two to right. not tango, but who is the one who led on the breakup? Who was the one who, you know, was following suit um, matters too. And then also knowing yourself, like, if that's what you were needing for your ego in a good way, then that's okay. But just know that that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, once again, it's probably communication. And I think it's the big question here too, is how did you get in this situation? Like, are you, like you said, did, did you have a beer and you drunk dialed or, so, you know, like, <laughs> is, is this something where you're like, Oh, you know what? We both would want to do this again. And it, and we can move on, you know, then, yeah, then you might exactly. could actually enjoy it. But if you, if it's right. a, you know, if you're trying to get back together and you think, oh, we had sex, so that means we're back together, then that's just going to mess you up. It's going to mess you yeah, up mentally, exactly. emotionally, Yeah, exactly. Like, physically. for me, it's really energetic. Like, I just, I, I, I'm, I don't prefer inconsequential sex these days in my life. I've, I've gone through my phases with that. So for me, it's really energetic and connecting. So for me, why would I energetically and emotionally and spiritually and sexually connect with a partner when I'm trying to part from them? But that's yeah. my journey. So, but again, being thoughtful about it and then knowing communicating if you're like this doesn't change anything if we're going to do this we're going to do this but where this doesn't change anything then that's very clear yeah all right well that's another episode of sex 101 uh man this is getting better and better send in your questions again toby at marysupply.com or stormy at love deep lab uh this podcast is going great thank you to all the listeners and uh, we'll see you soon <laughs>